Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, and Giving Tuesday are behind us now. And Marketing Dive reports that the long weekend sequence got off to a strong start with online shopping on Thanksgiving Day up 1% year over year to 6.9 billion, according to Salesforce. While in-person store visits on Thanksgiving Day fell 90.4% compared to 2019, as stores pulled back significantly from opening on the holiday. We're off to the races for the 2021 holiday shopping season. In this edition of Commerce Code, specialized banking services at scale, lawyers and money with Nota from M&T Bank. Dan Carell here, and this is Commerce Code brought to you by DCA, the Digital Commerce Alliance. Thanks for joining us for insights into the evolving world of digital commerce. As Black Friday data showed again last week, the retail economy remains strong, even while the rest of the world seems a bit crazy and equities markets are volatile. That economic resilience comes at least in part from an increasing willingness and ability for individuals to take a risk and strike out on their own. The Wall Street Journal reports this week that the number of unincorporated, self-employed workers has risen by half a million in the U.S. since the pandemic started, with monthly applications to start solo businesses spiking across the last 22 months. Those solo employees are taking a risk and they're getting flexibility and freedom in return, as well as the opportunity to build something of their own. But they're also adding complexity to their lives, as the services that come bundled with a large company job disappear. Everything that HR, finance, legal, and the other headquarters departments used to take care of for them are now on the solo entrepreneur to handle herself. Or at least, it used to be that way. Innovators in many sectors are figuring out how to enable entrepreneurs to focus on their own work by providing services at scale to that segment of the economy. One section of the economy that has always had some solo players is law. And today, we're joined by someone who has done as much as anyone to support the solo and small firm lawyers, Paul Garibian of Nota from M&T Bank. Nota provides specialized services to lawyers because lawyers have very unusual needs when it comes to banking. This has always been one of many reasons why lawyers banded together into larger law firms, the convenience of having someone in finance to deal with those kinds of details. Nota is offering those services to small and solo law firms, which accounts for about 60% of the nation's lawyers, according to the American Bar Association. Let's turn to our conversation with Paul about what they're doing at Nota. Paul, thank you for joining us for this podcast episode. Where are you joining us from? Daniel, thanks for having me. Just like the rest of us, I've been working from home for the last year and a half or so. I'm based in Los Angeles, and most of my uh, team is based East Coast, upstate New York, New Jersey, New York. I've spent a little bit of time playing around on the website for the product we're going to talk about, Nota, by M&T Bank. And uh, the team has designed this to provide business banking solutions for lawyers oriented more towards small law firms, maybe solo law firms. And I think just for kind of the audience here, I'd love it to get some background from you on, you know, what would you think of as the main challenges that smaller law firms face and how has that kind of different from other professional businesses? I think that provides context for the challenges that you've been trying to overcome with the, the product you provide. 
Yeah. So first of all, M&T is a bank for communities. And the way Nota came about about two years ago, and this is when I decided to join and take on the opportunity, is we came across trust reconciliation challenges that's particularly solo and small attorneys face, which is the majority of attorneys in the United States, is that there is really high stakes with dealing with your trust account reconciliation. And as we dove in into that area and learned more about the legal community, the solo small attorney community, we've realized that attorneys are generally underbanked. And the truth is the way we define underbanked is when your needs are not met, your financial services needs. And it became two years in, we're very clear that solo and small attorney firms, their financial needs are not being met by either fintechs, legal techs, or even traditional banking institutions. I can imagine some of the ways that in which that's true as an attorney myself, although in truth, I have worked largely with bigger law firms. And so I'd be interested in what's just an example of one or two ways in which a typical small firm just isn't getting the services they need. So starting with the IOTA account, you know, IOTA escrow account or a trust account, those are all, you know, used synonymously. And so, first of all, not all banks offer this product. And second, it's very difficult for attorneys to know how to properly manage that account. So one of the things that we've done first as our first product, we made it very simple for attorneys that don't have accounting training to really keep track of that and made it very simple for them to use on their own with very limited training. So that was number one. Number two, we went into the market with our Nota Connect product, which is our integration product that basically integrates their bank account into LoPay, which is one of the leading payment processing providers accounting software, QuickBooks, and Clio, which is their PMS system. And we're planning to add more integrations. And then the third product that we went to market with is actually a business checking account. And what we've done with the business checking account is added a layer of accounting features to be able to track expenses by categorizing them into sub-accounts, which helps with profitability management, as well as doing their taxes towards the end of the year. Paul, as you mentioned, this is the big segment of lawyers in practice in the country, right? These are people that are serving their local communities, small businesses, um, individuals and families. And these trust accounts are universal in the legal sector. And there are whole training courses that people have to take in order to figure out how to use them. And those people might be divorce lawyers. They're maybe criminal defense lawyers. But I think what you're saying is they don't have the training and there's no reason why they really should have to be technicians of that product and you figured out basically a way, I think, to make it simple and easy to use. Is that essentially right? Yes. And you take that example from the trust account and apply it to every single financial product out there. And there are opportunities for improvement and personalization for solo and small attorney firms. And the reason we're focused on those firms is actually number one, those organizations we find run very lean as being, you know, small businesses and majority of them do less than $2 million a year in revenue. And that's the threshold for them to be qualified or named as a named client for most financial institutions. And so they don't get the attention that they need to really run a scalable business, a profitable business, and get that support from their partner financial institution. Another thing that we've done is that we've created a concierge service of our customer success specialists that answer any attorney banking related questions. So in other words, 
what we've done is that we've realized that there are some intricate questions and use cases that attorneys need help with, whether that's technical when it comes to their integration, their tools, or whether that's just, you know, helping them understand various product options available out there that would be in the best interests of the practice, as well as in the best interests of the, the clients that they're trying to serve. These products also, they have to increase efficiency and productivity for those lawyers and for their clients, right? Just maybe an example of how Noda's kind of approach works and how that improves efficiency and productivity. Well, I think, first of all, more than half of solo and small attorney firms' time is spent on non-legal activities to support their clients. One of the ways that we would like to reduce that is actually not worry about non-legal aspects of their business. And finances and accounting is certainly a big chunk of that. And one of the things that consistently comes back from our users is that our users love the fact that we, as bankers and technologists, try to design a solution by partnering very closely with our community to simplify traditional accounting and financial services products that usually have been difficult for our users to understand. It matters not just for the lawyers. I will say, having kind of studied the legal profession a little bit and some of the social impact, the reason lawyers are expensive at the base level of the industry in terms of just dealing with small businesses, dealing with people, is there's a lot of efficiency issues. And as you point out, lawyers spend a lot of time and energy and money doing things that are not in service to their clients. And that's one of the reasons why they're expensive. And so you all are doing something that may seem like mechanical on the back end, but actually has the ultimate effect of making legal services more accessible to people. Precisely. And we're trying to do it. We exclusively focused on attorney firms because we realize that there are certain intricacies and opportunity for hyper-personalization, which as a result will translate even to more efficiencies than just trying to focus on multiple segments of the small business or professional services businesses. I haven't studied as much as you have, but I, I find it believable and entirely likely that lawyers probably have less well-tailored and less effective financial services than other small businesses might. And so it's a great opportunity for you to make improvements. I'm interested in what features you think financial institutions generally maybe should implement in their products in order to better serve business customers, you know, based on the experiences you've had here and what you've learned doing this. You know, I spent majority of my professional career in financial services, fintech. And, you know, I am so excited about the fintech industry because now we're entering an era of hyper-personalization. And Noda is a prime example of that, where we're basically taking a lot of the financial services infrastructure and then creating beautiful, very simple and understand user experience for a specific segment like attorneys. And then marrying that data with operational data from their business through accounting software, through payment processing software, through practice management software. One of the few benefits of COVID has been is that it accelerated digital adoption in general, but also accelerated digital banking adoption. And what COVID has done is that, first of all, it enabled us to communicate with people in various parts of the country remotely with video conferencing and just remote conferencing. And the second aspect is people are saying, listen, I actually love the fact that it's efficient and I don't have to go to a branch. I can bank completely remotely and I can speak with specialists that actually understand what attorney banking is versus speaking with generalists. I mentioned that clients benefit just from increasing the efficiency of this, right? Clients should see lower costs or better service or both as a result of this. But I wonder if you have thoughts, you know, maybe more in specific about how attorneys' clients can benefit 
from what you're doing, because I think there's a lot of different aspects of what you're doing. And without getting into the IOLTA or trust account thing too much, it involves the client's money. That's the nature of those accounts and a little bit why they're complicated. What else do you think attorneys' clients need still maybe or are going to get from what you're doing there? So, you know, Clio report had mentioned 69% of legal matters in the United States don't get addressed is because legal services are unaffordable for many people in this country. And so making legal services more affordable, I think will increase social justice in our country. And again, last year and a half have been so interesting on so many dimensions and awareness of social justice, I think, or lack of it in certain cases has gotten plenty of attention. And I think having a society where everyone can take advantage of having their legal needs met is uh, is a society that I want to be part of and I want to be part of the solution for that. And so solo and small attorneys in that sense are also the ones that are making an impact. It's not your big low 100 or your corporate attorneys kind of working on that. It's really the attorneys you have mentioned, right? The divorce attorney, the criminal justice attorney and immigration attorney, and the list goes on. And so first of all, providing a stable financial platform that is sort of like a super app for all their financial needs that can provide much more affordable and much more modern financial products, ultimately provides a better service to the attorney's clients. Every time I occasionally run across a part of the economy that happens to still regard the fax machine as an appropriate way to communicate, I'm reminded that so much has been digitized and so much has been done, right? But progress is not evenly distributed. And I do think that getting small firms and individual lawyers onto, as, as you described it, a comprehensive digital platform for their financial piece, I think that that could go in a lot of different directions in ways that help both them, but also their clients. Yeah, could not agree more. And I think, you know, there are opportunities across all three dimensions, deposit products, payments products, also being able to offer payment plans to the end consumer, I think is a huge hurdle for consumers to take advantage of more legal services. And I know other folks are working on it and we want to kind of empower them, enable them and also help reduce those barriers as much as possible across payments as well as lending, which ultimately helps both the attorney and their respective clients. That's great. It's exciting. And it's fun, actually, to me that we got into not just some of the mechanics and the financial aspects and digital aspects, but also some of the social aspects as we sit here in the beginning of the holiday season, just a moment when I guess traditionally we think about others and how we can serve them. So I'm, I'm excited that in your vision for NOTA that that is front and center in what you're trying to do. And it's been a great conversation, Paul. Thanks so much for joining us. Likewise. Thank you so much. Coming right up, closing thoughts on specialization. I've got a thousand page book on my shelf from the California Bar Association on how to run a small law firm. The chapter on banking is a hundred pages, and I confess I've never made it through the whole thing. Law school doesn't teach you how to run a law firm, just like medical school doesn't teach you how to run a medical practice. There's some debate in the legal community about whether law schools should focus on those kinds of things. And there's at least some of the same conversation about the medical school curriculum, too. For what it's worth, I'm against the change. Somewhere out there is a medical student who's going to be the orthopedic surgeon that fixes my shoulder when I'm 70. I don't need her to know about banking, marketing, client development, operations management, and all the rest. I do need her to know a lot about shoulders. The same goes for my lawyer. It's just not a good use of his or her time to master the details of how to manage a client trust account. And it's complicated. Progress in our society is mainly the result of specialization. Adam Smith was perhaps the first person to really understand the phenomenon. And while he didn't have entirely kind things to say about it, he saw its potential. 
I doubt Smith completely understood how far it would take us. If you're listening to this podcast, you may think of yourself as being in digital commerce. That's true, but the point of digital commerce is to simplify finance and commerce for other people so they can go deeper in their own work and more richly serve others with their own expertise. To take just one obvious example, the thousands of people who collectively figured out how to create an mRNA vaccine were able to do so in no small part because they weren't distracted by the kinds of life logistics that were unavoidable in the time of Adam Smith. Of course, Adam Smith was landed aristocracy, so he didn't have to worry too much about life logistics. He had people for that. And that was true of just about all the great minds of the time. You couldn't possibly run your own finances and make your own meals while doing real intellectual work in the 18th century. Specialized services have changed all of that. And thank goodness. As an industry, we've done amazing work in democratizing access to financial services, and I think we're nowhere near finished. There are so many opportunities to give other people the ability to focus on what matters most in their work and to give them the rest of their time to do the things that make them happy. For me, that includes reading some authors that are a little out of today's mainstream, like Adam Smith. To find out more about the latest trends in digital commerce and digital advertising, check out our website, www.digcomall.org. For the Digital Commerce Alliance, take care of yourself and take care of each other. God bless you. This is Dan Carell, signing off. <laughs>